All right, it's time for ball. He is ESPN's Tom Luganville. I'm Ryan Brown. The show presented by MyBookie.ag. Code next round when you sign on at MyBookie.ag. You will get that sign-on bonus up to $1,000 when you sign up by using code next round. MyBookie.ag. Code next round. Bet anything, anytime, anywhere with MyBookie.ag. What's happening, Lugs? How are you? I'm good, man. Merry Christmas. Happy holidays. All that good stuff. Yeah, buddy. Did you get it? Did you get what you wanted for Christmas? Were you? Uh, I were did. You a I, was, I was. Not, I was on the nice list the whole entire year. How about that? That's is that a change for you? Yes, that's a usually on a daily basis. <laughs> you have to check every day with Center, right? Yeah. Uh, but you you made it through another year. That's great. I want to start. We'll talk uh, some recruiting signing day winners, but you got to lead the show with this. I saw the video of you seeing uh, young Quade Luganbill. Ah, uh, and yeah. the commitment to Eastern Kentucky. Uh, so I know you're a proud dad to covering your son on National Signing Day. Yeah, and I didn't know I was going to be doing that. Uh, Matt Schick, my co-host, actually reached out to my wife and said, hey, can you take a photo of, of Quaid at his, his ceremony at school? And then uh, got together with our producer, and we were in our, like, our last eight or nine minutes of the show, so I didn't know it was coming. And uh, so, yeah, really nice of those folks to do it. Really excited for him. I mean, it's you get a chance to to play college football. Like I always tell them, like the bus does not leave without the long snapper, dude. That's right. So, so just always remember that. So no, he's pumped up and uh, he's going to enroll in early May for two summer sessions before the fall. So we're excited for him. Yeah, and if you make it work, I mean, when you get to the NFL, there's one long snapper on that uh, roster. You are the guy. <laughs> you're the starter if you're on the roster. That's right. That's exactly right. They make a lot of money. <laughs> That's right. And it's amazing to me, like, I know uh, Carson Tinker pretty well that uh, snapped at Alabama, and he was in the NFL for a good bit with Jacksonville primarily. And, I mean, it's just amazing. All those guys are good. Like, you know, the, the it's it's a fraction of a second of the ball getting to the holder of the punter that makes the yeah. difference when you're trying to compare those two guys. It, no, it, it totally is. And, I mean, so, like, Quaid was uh, – Quaid was uh, – a four-star long snapper by Coles. Now, what does that mean? I don't really know. I know that he was recruited, as most long snappers are, as a preferred walk-on at, at some Power Five and Group of Five schools. But he had some scholarship offers, including Eastern Kentucky, um, uh, to get his school paid for. And so I think a lot of it, you're right, it's, it's a split second, whether it's short snap, punt snap. And it's not just like people don't realize it's not just getting it there on time. It's the placement of it. It's actually the revolutions of the ball so yep. that when they hit the hands of the holder or the punter, that the, the you know the laces are up or the laces are out, and they they can create that timing. I don't really understand it, uh, but it's fun to watch it instructed by people who are really dialed into it and all the little nuances to it that I you know I I, I, I know the times. I know you're supposed to be below right. this time and below this time. But there's a lot more to it than I actually ever thought there was. Yeah, I mean, I've been told before, like the really good guys in the NFL, the holder on the field goal, he has to spin the ball the same amount every time. That's, I mean, it hits his hands yeah. to where he puts it down, and it's the same spin every time. He's not always having to, you know, judge how much to spin it. It's If it's snapped right. right, it's the same spin every time. That blows my mind that you could deliver the ball that way. Those guys are in, like, a completely different league, yeah. too, right? Yeah. I mean, those are guys that – that will play for 15, 17 years if they if they stay healthy. And like it's like you said with the holder and the spin, it's like right right footed punter, the ball's like directly at their yep. right abdomen yep. or right hip and the when it when it hits their hands, the laces are up on top. It's like, how are you doing that from 14 <laughs> yards away, man? It's, it's amazing. It is amazing. So no. well good for see, him. We'll see if it works out. Yeah, man. I appreciate yeah. it. Congrats to Quaid. Uh good kid and uh he's gotta go 
get some college paid for playing football. And that yeah. is a, that is certainly good for mom and dad and good for him <laughs> as well. All right, let's uh, let's pick up uh, one of the last bowls we did prior to uh, Lugaville getting loaded down with a bunch of bowl games and signing day. Uh, we looked at the opposite matchups of these first two things we're going to talk about. Uh, so let's talk about Alabama's defense when Michigan has the football. We looked the other way around when Bama has the ball. Let's talk about that Michigan offense against Bama's defense. So there were times this year, specifically Penn State, where Michigan didn't even think about throwing the football. I don't think anybody thinks they can have that type of game plan against Alabama's defense. No, I don't think they can either. And, and listen, are we willing to say, are we willing to admit that the reality is Michigan's not very good on def- on offense? Yeah, they're, I would they're agree. not very good on offense. They're not explosive. Um, they don't really scare you in any way. The offensive line is the focal point of the entire, obviously the the, the entire offense and what they want to be and what they want to do. How about this? The last three games of the season, they're averaging 281 yards of total offense. That's it. There's only 15 teams in college football at the FBS level that were worse than that. 15, that's it. Yeah, yeah. And so then you start to ask yourself, well, aside from Penn State, who have they played in that league, Ohio State, obviously, Penn State, and then Iowa, uh, Iowa. who's any good on defense? And and you start to look at some of the numbers for Michigan, and you realize there's not a lot of great defensive play. Then why isn't the offensive production better? Because you're you're right, lining up and saying, okay, we're gonna we're gonna run it 29 consecutive times. Um, number one, I couldn't believe they did that against Penn State, but I do not envision them being able to do that uh, against Alabama. I think that. Alabama is going to be a faster football team than any team that they have played all year long. And Michigan doesn't want to be a drop-back passing team. They want to be able to run the football at will and then come off of play action with everything that entails. Well, that tells me that Michigan has to win on early downs. Excuse me. Michigan has to win, yes, on offense, on early downs, running the football. Can they consistently do that? I don't know, but it is not in Michigan's best interest to have to drop back and throw the football to try to win this game. Yeah, so that's the other option is you throw it, and I don't know if people paid attention to the uh, All-American teams, but both those corners, Kool-Aid McKinstry and Terion Arnold, are All-Americans, and there are people that are talking about Arnold has actually become the better NFL prospect than Kool-Aid McKinstry, who teams were not even throwing at to start the year. Yeah. They were picking, they were trying to pick on Arnold, and he's played himself potentially, and I know this is not what we're here to talk about, yeah. you know, where he goes drafted. I'm just making a point. You're, you're talking about two first-round corners, potentially, in that Alabama defensive backfield. Yeah, and Terry on Arnold can line up and play anywhere. Um, I mean, that's the thing. He saved him against Texas A&M on the road yeah. when, um, when they went down at safety. I would argue that they have three potential first-rounders because Caleb Downs is going to be one. Right. And, and, you know, Nick Saban has said it's the best defensive secondary freshman player that they've had there since Mika Fitzpatrick. And, I mean, that's that's saying a lot when you consider the people that have played on the perimeter and at safety for Alabama. So, yeah, they can match up with anybody. And, you know, the I just I, – I can't imagine – and the good news is, too, I think if you're Alabama on defense, and I know J.J. McCarthy's a pretty good athlete, but they don't technically run him. Like, that's, that's not who they are. If he gets out of the pocket, you've got to contain him a little bit. But I don't think Alabama's got to worry about quarterback run. Um, I think that, you know, they're one of those football teams that traditionally can handle the box with six players in it and not have to bring in a seventh, not have to bring in an eighth. We'll see if that holds true. I mean, Michigan won the Joe Moore Award two years in a row on the offensive line. You can make the argument 
that this year they were every bit as productive. So that's where the game is going to be decided, I think, is, is, as it usually is. But it's in the trenches. And can you make Michigan have to be something they don't want to be? Yeah. Well, and, and the other thing is, and this is true of, of most any team in America. This is not Alabama-specific. But since we're talking about Alabama's defense against Michigan's offense, if they can get pressure without blitzing, it becomes so difficult against Alabama when they don't have to commit an extra guy to pressure the quarterback. When Dallas Turner is pressuring the quarterback from the edge and they're able to get that yeah. pressure with the front four, uh, boy, you're in a world of hurt at that point. Now I can dedicate a lot more guys to the pass and yep. I'm not having to send an extra guy on pressure. Or when I do it, I've really got you in a pickle now. Yeah, and that's kind of what separates Alabama and maybe a handful of other teams in college football from from everybody else. Um, that's the reality of the situation. And, you know, Michigan was like – not to say that Michigan's not like that on defense this year. Michigan, I think, statistically on defense – we talked about this on our last edition. They're st- statistically it's skewed because the offensive performances in the Big Ten and their offseason schedule was so – their non-conference schedule was so poor on offense that I think it ramped up their, their numbers. But – that Michigan a couple of years ago when they had Aiden Hutchinson was kind of like Alabama is now in the sense that they could just line up with, you know, five, six guys. Um, they could pressure without having to bring an extra hat and control the line of scrimmage. I do think it's going to be a, um, a tall order for Alabama to consistently do that. Listen, Penn State could not consistently do that. And they're the number one ranked defense in the country with, you know, NFL players at the edge and at the linebacker position, just like Alabama has. So we'll see. Something's got to give there. All right, Sugar Bowl in just a moment. This is Ball presented by MyBookie.ag. He is ESPN's Tom Lukeville. A reminder, when you sign on at MyBookie.ag, you make that initial deposit using code NEXTROUND and get a deposit match up to $1,000. Bet anything, anytime, anywhere with MyBookie.ag, code NEXTROUND. MyBookie.ag, code NEXTROUND. Also, Manscaped.com. This here, this is the handyman. This is an easy, compact travel razor. Works great in the home as well. You can couple that with all their great products, the Beard Hedger, uh, the lawnmower, which takes care of the full body, including the undercarriage. Also, the weed whacker, which takes care of the nose hair and the ear hair. Great boxer shorts, male body products, all there at manscaped.com. Uh, because you're watching ball, I'm going to give you this code BROWN20. That is my last name, BROWN, and the number 20, 20% off your first order at manscaped.com when you use code BROWN20. All right, let's flip sides with Washington and Texas. Same thing there. That Washington defense at times this year, Luganville, uh, was a little messy. They Played when it mattered most. They were good in the, uh, for the most part, in the Pac-12 championship game. But boy, there were a couple games this year where that that Washington defense was MIA and put a ton of pressure on their offense. Well, the 90th ranked defense, total defense in the country, and you know, what I would call them is a bit of a bend but don't break type of team. They would come up big in the red area at times when they needed to, um, but consistently they were picked on. And I think in, in some instances, they were pushed around. And that's not a good recipe against this, this Texas offense because Texas has problems at every single position on the field. All right, they're three deep at wideout led by Xavier Worthy. We know Jordan Whittingham is there. And then Adonai Mitchell is the guy that really was probably the unheralded best playmaker on that offense this year. When they went to him, it was a catch or it was a touchdown. And... That's what he did for this offense. Then you move to the inside, and you've basically got an overinflated wide receiver in J.T. Sanders that is a complete and utter mismatch for just about anybody you're going to play. They're three deep at running back despite the loss of, of, uh, of Jamal Brooks. Um, 
or Jonathan Brooks, excuse me. The freshman CJ Baxter that came in um, has, has kind of just picked up where they left off. So they've got depth there. It's the best offensive line they've had there in 20 years. The key to me is this. When Quinn Ewers is on, he is really, really good. The problem is when he when he's off, he's not average or mediocre. He's bad. Like, yeah. his off is really off. And he hasn't had a ton of that this year, but he's had enough to really make you scratch your head at times. He did it against Wyoming, did it in the first half versus Rice, um, was like that a little bit in the middle of the year. Then he got banged up, came back, you know, fully healthy. But if they're hitting on all cylinders, I don't know how Washington is is going to hold up defensively. And the one thing about Texas is they are an offense that is explosive and can create big plays, but they can also go the length of the field and really earn it and, and keep the other offense on the sideline, which is what you've got to do with Washington because what Washington wants to do is score the ball, you know, once every three plays. I thought it was interesting as I was looking at this matchup and somebody said, man, this Washington offense is just loaded. If I told you that Texas was ranked higher in total offense than Washington is, would you believe me? Probably not, just because you hear so much about Roma Dunze and, and Michael Penix. I do know yeah. that, that there was a game where they scored 12 points this year. I do, I'm aware of that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Probably, uh, if you would have said which one's ranked higher, I would have gone Washington. Right. And it's Texas. Texas is yeah. nine, Washington's 12. And um, I think a lot of that is because of the season-long balance run to pass that Texas has had, where Washington's only had it really from the SC game on with Dylan Johnson. And so that's probably been the difference. Uh, between the two teams, but this thing I think could be an absolute track meet. Yeah. And I think both teams can thrive in that world. They're they, you know, the thing that's interesting about Texas is they have won games so many different ways. They've won it with offense, they've won it by running the football, they've run it by throwing the football, they've won it in the kicking game, they've won it by playing great defense and just hanging on late. They've started slow, they've finished fast, but the one thing they do is they always find a way in the fourth quarter for some for some reason. So I think a lot of this depends on if Quinn Ewers is hot, man. If he if he is, it's going to be one heck of a football game. And I know this is a little old school to talk about things like this, but indoor fast track. I mean, you're talking about how you know how this could be a bit of a track meet. I think the total at mybookie.ag is 64, so they're expecting a high scoring game. Yeah, I do think that plays a part in it. You know, there's going to be no weather factor. That's that's going to be an indoor fast track for them. Yeah, absolutely. I, you know, who does that benefit? I don't know. Both teams. So now, yeah. if if it, if it plays to both teams' strengths, who makes a critical mistake? You know, or who has a bad injury at the at the at the wrong time to the wrong guy? Kind of like Alabama and Jameson Williams um, in in the SEC championship yeah. game. I think it was. Uh, uh, versus yeah, it was Georgia, Mechie, so. uh, yeah, it was Mechie in the championship game. He got hurt actually in the championship game against That's Georgia. Right. Yeah, yeah, against Georgia. Right, right, and so. You know, if it if it hits you the wrong way, listen, it, it can have an impact. But I think playing to the strengths of both teams with it being, you know, a healthy surface, you're not worried about wind, you're not worried about rain, you're not worried about cold. That helps both teams. All right, he is ESPN's Tom Lugabill. This is Ball. It is presented, as I mentioned, by mybookie.ag. Code next round when you sign on. You get that bonus when you sign on of up to $1,000. And uh, you can use it. Use it right away. Bet anything, anytime, anywhere with mybookie.ag. Code next round. MyBookie.ag code next round. Also apparel provided on the show by Roback.com. 
You can use code TNR20 to get 20% off your first order of the softest hoodies you will ever put on. The great quarter zips, the golf polos, uh, they've got pants, uh, crew neck shirts, all right there at Roback. Roback.com, code TNR20 to save 20% off your first order at Roback.com. All right, you've had a, a few days to digest National mm-hmm. Signing Day. It is now in the rearview mirror. Yeah. Uh, just give me a few winners in your mind. When you when you look back on it, you say, hey, this National Signing Day was important for what player, what program? Just give me some winners there. Program, I would say Oregon. To, to have a top five class, number three for us, to pluck a receiver late, uh, McClellan off of Ohio State's uh, class, I thought was big. I just thought it sent a message that Oregon can play with anybody on the recruiting front nationwide right nationwide um and they've got a coach in dan lanning that knows what it takes and the type of player it's going to take to beat an alabama to beat a a georgia because he's been at both places so i thought they made huge strides i thought miami probably stole the day when it came to the guys they closed on late guys they were able to flip late now they had guys flip away as well but they closed really really well um, you know, a lot was made about K.J. Bolden flipping to Georgia and off of that Florida State class. It's still a strong Florida State class. It, it, it really is. Um, Florida getting D.J. Lagway to stick around is, is huge. I thought South Carolina really did a nice job. I would also add that Texas Tech did a nice job. Stanford, um, uh, I mean, really, uh, what Troy Taylor did, not only on the field to improve that team, but what they've done in recruiting, um, really, really strong. You know, the, the usual suspects that we see, Georgia, obviously, Alabama flipped a couple late that I thought was interesting. And you keep hearing me use that term flip. Well, basically, all National Signing Day is about now is the transfer portal. Yeah. Can you hang on to guys? You know, we talked prior to signing day. We went into that morning. There were only 14 players in ESPN 300 that had not committed to somebody. So it's. I think what's happening, number one, the players are realizing that there's limited scholarships and they're starting to do the math. That's number one. Number two, they're not as hesitant to just pull the trigger and sign because they know they can walk away, right? That's the other side of this. So, you know, in the case of a DJ Lagway, all right, well, he, he there's something he likes about Florida, something he likes about, about Billy Napier, what they're trying to build, what they're trying to do. But he also realizes there's no downside. He can He can walk away. And every single player in signing day can walk away now because of the transfer portal. Um, but I do think it, it is important to note that some of the weight in terms of being able to, to leverage against the high school player is now falling back into the hands of the college coaches. Cause they're telling kids, listen, if, if you're not going to commit to us or commit to this and sign here, we're going to go replace you. Transfer portal's right there and we can find somebody else. And I think kids are getting the message and that's why we saw very few. We saw surprises, but not – they were flips. They weren't, you know, no. somebody that hadn't signed or hadn't committed yet, and then all of a sudden goes out of nowhere and goes somewhere else. And that was that was kind of the story of the day. Yeah, I, I remember – and we'll talk about the portal next, but I, I do remember, you know, back in the day you would send me and, and the other recruiting services would send me, you know, here's the guy that's committing on our platform. You guys had a lot right. of ESPN, obviously. Oh, yeah. and. And, and a lot of those guys, while there might be an obvious lean, it was still a mystery. I mean, there were still the hats yeah. on the table, and you just don't really get that that much on signing day anymore. That used to be some of the most exciting parts of signing day. Yeah, we, we would do between, on average, between 10 to 12 yep. announcements a, 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 in one day of kids were like, you're right, you didn't know where they were going. And again, by and large, 
I don't know, 50% of the SPN 300, maybe a little bit more at times, came into the day not committed. Yeah. So, you know, you had a lot of excitement, even with guys that, that, you know, weren't coming on our air to do it. But it's a totally different day. We had one kid on, uh, Ernest Willer, and he committed and signed with Wisconsin. That's it. One guy. Yeah, I mean, that's amazing. It's amazing as to what it used to be. I, I never... I remember this first, the first year they had the early signing day. I thought you'd have a few guys, but most guys would still do February. I was blown away that like seventy percent. Yeah, it, at that time, seventy percent is probably more now, right? It is. Yeah, yeah, it's more now, and and it's taken away. Like, remember we used to do that twelve-hour live show. Oh yeah, the Super Bowl of recruiting. Yep. And now it's just been. It started with adding two signing periods that diminished the excitement. Then you add the transfer portal. Yep. Um, then you add COVID and the extra year of eligibility, which screwed everybody's numbers up. And it just kind of took the air out of the balloon. All right, we'll talk about the portal in one second. A reminder, the show presented by MyBookie.ag. Code next round when you sign on at MyBookie.ag. Bet anything, anytime, anywhere. Code next round is going to get you a uh, sign-on deposit match up to $1,000. That's code next round at MyBookie.ag. Bet anything, anytime, anywhere with MyBookie.ag. If you're looking for plays to use there, Lance'sLock.com is the place to go. LT has got his bowl package up right now. And uh, there's a guarantee involved with that. Just go to lanceslock.com, check on that bowl package as bowl season is in uh, the midst of some hot games right now. And you can get hot at lanceslock.com. All right, let's wrap up talking about uh, the transfer portal, something we'll have to do periodically, obviously. I want to start with Walter (laughs) Nolan. He's going to Ole Miss. This is already a pretty good Ole Miss roster that was a 10-win team this year. And uh, you've scouted Walter Nolan. You saw him at Texas A&M. Uh, he was widely regarded as one of the top players in the portal by just uh, almost everyone that covers it, and he is going to Ole Miss. Uh, give me your thoughts on Walter Nolan going to Ole Miss. So he's a former number one overall player yep. for us. Um, and one of the things that I always loved and appreciated about Walter was he was never a guy that was a hype guy that walked around puffing out his chest and showing up at camps and combines, but not working out. You know, just kind of standing out there on the sideline to be seen. And every single time that kid showed up. He suited up and he competed. He took yeah. every rep and every drill and every city that we would see him in, and he would show up just to prove he was the best guy there. One of the reasons why I think he was not only the best player in the transfer portal, might be the best player in the transfer portal the last couple of years, particularly in the defensive front, but he was also productive. Like, that's the thing. Like, he, he would have been, I think, one of the few guys that Mike Elko call, probably called immediately and said, hey, let's talk this thing through here because – this was not a player that was highly anticipated and highly hyped that came in. It was just a marginal production guy. He's productive. So I think he adds a huge element to Ole Miss and their efforts to try to, you know, catch up to Alabama, catch up to Georgia, because that's the difference. Ole Miss's guys can play. Their skill guys can play. Their quarterback can play. Their linebackers can play. Their corners can play with anybody. But it's the guys up front on both sides of the ball. That's where they've got to play catch up, and that's where the portal helped them out here. Malik Murphy is on. He's not going to play in the Sugar Bowl or not going to be on the roster. He may not have played either way, but he's not going to be on the roster of the Sugar Bowl. He's going to Duke. Um, you saw, I, I think, one of the games he started, right? You had on ESPN. Yeah, yeah against Kansas State. Yeah. Uh, no, BYU. BYU, my apologies. Yeah. Kansas State was the following week. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So, BYU. Yeah. So uh-huh. you've seen him play, uh, you know, in live action there in an actual game. What does he do for Duke? Well, he's got tremendous skill. Like, he's, he's, Big, he's got a strong arm. Um, I hate to say this, but he's got a lot of the same physical traits as Joe Milton. Right. But 
Unfortunately, he's got a lot of the other stuff too. He he's very streaky. Um, he turned it over twice against BYU in the game we had. They dropped the third interception, and then he should have probably had four turnovers against Kansas State. They got very fortunate. In my in in my estimation, he's been somebody that is just too careless with the football. Yeah. And maybe that will clear itself up with more experience. Like it helped him to play two games this year. He had great personnel around him, and I think he understood the role he was in. They didn't have to press and try and do everything on his own. But uh, he's probably an upgrade over what Duke has with Grayson Loftus and you know losing Riley Leonard. But I need to see him become more consistently accurate and become a more consistently productive player too. His physical attributes are there. Let's see if he can become more productive. I realize as I'm about to ask you this question, these things can change so quickly. So by the time someone is watching this, this could have already been announced and I could be, the speculation could be wrong, but I saw speculation over the weekend uh, that the Tonga-Valoa family would like to see Talia playing at Miami. Obviously his brother Tua, the quarterback of the Miami Dolphins, but playing for the Miami Hurricanes. Would that be a good landing spot you think for Talia Tonga-Valoa? Yeah, because I think the offense and Shannon Dawson and what they do is is really good. It's fast. It's innovative. Probably plays to his strengths. They just brought in an outstanding wide receiver haul with some freshmen that I yeah. think are going to play right away. So the the answer to that question depends on whether or not Miami thinks that he's uh, an upgrade. Yeah. He would be an addition that makes them better, you know. And Van Dyke, Van Dyke is going to Wisconsin, so there's there's right. an obvious opening there. Oh yeah, there's a need, there's a, there's a, there's a need there, and, and I think that's a good landing spot for Van Dyke, quite honestly. Yeah, too. I thought really. He found found himself a good home there. Yeah. Well, Graham Mertz just never panned out there over those years. You know, that was highest our, profile guy that yeah. ever signed at the quarterback position, and it just. It was kind of like what you see is what you get, but I won't give him credit. He was a bit of a different guy at Florida this year. Before yeah. he got hurt, he was actually playing pretty good football. I know. I know. Yeah, you know, you're right about that. He was playing his best football, maybe, but I, I just, yeah. you know, Wisconsin's just one of those places. Russell Wilson, obviously, is a transfer, was very, yeah. very good there. But by and large, man, their quarterback play has just been really, at best, average. That's yeah. like the best you would get is average. Well, and that offense now is completely different with Phil Longo running. Yeah. My, my, I, I said the moment he got hired, I said, I love the hire. I think that's going to be fun to watch them on offense. Where are you going to get the skill players at Wisconsin to run that? Exactly. Thing? I just, that's I don't right. know. I don't know. And and I thought Tanner Mordecai, I'd ask him, he was a great addition for them, but then he gets hurt. And so um, we'll have to, time will tell as we watch Wisconsin over the next two to three years to see how quickly they can upgrade their skill on offense. Yeah. Yeah, because Mordecai had torn it up at SMU. I mean, he had like, like that oh, one yeah. nine touchdown passing game under Rhett Lashley. <laughs> and again, you get to Wisconsin, and it's just, you know, he and Mertz, the last two quarterbacks there, just has not worked out. Right, no doubt. All right, he, no is ESPN's, he is ESPN's Tom Lukabill. This is Ball. It is presented by MyBookie.ag. Code next round when you sign on at MyBookie.ag. You make your initial deposit. They match it up to $1,000. That is MyBookie.ag. Code next round. Bet anything, anytime, anywhere with MyBookie.ag. All right, Lukes, thanks for the time. We'll see you next time. All right, buddy. Thank you.